Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pitards Podcast. Welcome to the Pilots and Pitards Podcast. This is Drew, the pragmatic and bleeding heart cynical cyclops of this podcast. I'm Jimbo, the anti-millennial, non-conforming, existentialist, pilot, cynical critic, and Kenny of the podcast. I'm Liz. I am a mother of two cats now, the spark plug, keeper of hot takes. I'm not nearly as cynical. And the magically cynical and undefeated Miss Mo, master of spoilers and lover of cynical nobos, is out this week. And this is the podcast with nothing much ado about aircrafts and potentially everything to do with the first episode of a filmic series. Disclaimer, petard is a word. Look it up later so you don't get hoist by your own petard. Contact us to sponsor a show or slander a rival. And if you enjoyed today's episode, then you owe us, like literally, for the ad-free entertainment. Fuck you, Luminary. Fuck you, too. Okay? We could stack never-ending crooked ads, and we could create sob stories as to why we need your money. We could, you know, charge you seven ninety nine a month for podcasts that are not that much better than the ones out there. But we don't. So repay your debt by, one, leaving us an iTunes review, two, telling someone else about our podcast, or three, just going back and listening to some of the old episodes, going to the website, and leaving us some comments. And now for today's episode. Join us as we cast judgment and determine if the DC Universe original doom patrol will be hoisted or not hoisted that is the question at hand so follow our blog join our facebook group follow our twitter and let's continue the discussions online and we will start off with our background for this show i'm going to just pass it over to liz as our dc universe expert uh, this show is a spinoff of Titans, which we did do an episode on. And that, I think that was the first episode I was on of Pilots and Tards. So this is kind of a throwback. Thematically, though, this does take place prior to Titans, like quite a few years before. The show has been recommended multiple times to me, but it, it follows kind of a, a group of loser sort of superheroes. They're kind of just a bunch of weirdos. And it's a very, very kooky out there show. Jimbo, you want to hit us with that two-sentence summary that appears to be one sentence? One-sentence summary this week since we're we, you know limited time. Four misfit super duds are doomed. Find out if you should give a steaming pile of crap. So this is part one. This is spoiler-free. It's highs, lows, in-betweens, and evaluation of the quality of the pilot. We'll start with some high points or low points. I have more of one than the other. I'll start with a high point. I really love, as an actor, I love Matthew Bomber. He played the Invisible Man, so the guy who was the pilot. I really love that character, and I love that backstory, uh, mostly because he kind of deals with a lot of internalized homophobia. Which I think it's really interesting that he kind of, he goes, he's a Air Force pilot. He does the first kind of uh, outer out atmosphere run for the Air Force. And he runs into this very strange spirit who kind of takes over his body. And this is kind of the first time he's felt like himself because now he is a monster because he's always kind of grappled with these feelings of like, he loves both women and men so he has a lot of internalized homophobia that he deals with and i and you know this is taking place for his most of his story is taking place in the 60s so i i definitely think that was really compelling and i also like his casting because he is a gay man so they actually <laughs> cast somebody who who kind of probably understands that better than you know a straight man would 
I like his character a lot. I think he's really interesting. Matt Bomber's awesome. Have you seen his Glee episode? He's a really talented singer and performer, too. He is. He's very talented. And I watched all of White Collar because of him. He was always my pick to be like Nightwing, but now he's like a tattoo old. <laughs> it's depressing when actors age out of roles you want them to have because you're like, oh, I have also gotten older and closer to death. Jimbo, your Matthew Bomber thoughts? You should watch that Glee episode. It's a good one. <laughs> Jimbo, do you have do you have a high point? Do you got a low point? Where are you at? I would say just in general, this this show has shallow high points and also shallow low points. Not a whole lot stood out, either really bad or really good for me. But talking about actors that can't play roles you want them to, Brendan Fraser, way fat, or was he like fake fat or something? I mean, he's playing a robot, so it doesn't really yes, matter. Exactly. Yeah, so he can still, <laughs> so all your favorite actors can still play robots. I mean, he's also an actor and manipulating his physical appearance is like part of his craft. So I'm not saying that he's lazy. I'm just like. I'm just not here. I'm not here to fat shame Brendan Fraser. It's fine. I don't, I don't think we are. I'm just really defensive of him. I mean, he got old. He also had something really horrible happen to him, which is why he stopped acting. Really? What? He was sexually assaulted. Oh, gosh. (laughs) There was like a huge article about it. I missed that one. So, like, this was, like, him finally returning to acting. Like, he finally felt comfortable enough to come back to acting. Good job, Brendan Fraser. Everybody be nice to Brendan Fraser, or I will come find you and beat you up. He's good. He's good in this show. So that was my high point. He is. I agree. He's good in this show. It's a little bit of a high and a low point for me because I think it got, like, very, very emotionally manipulative. Like, I think it could have, like, backed off by, like, 20 degrees and still really hit some, like, really tight heartstrings. Um, there's a podcast where, like, I'm super jealous because Liz actually met the guy who, like, hosts it. But on the War Rocket Ajax podcast, they say, like, all stories are manipulative or, like, emotionally manipulative. But I don't know. Like, maybe they need to cut back to, like, Robot Man's really horrific relationship with his daughter for, like, the fifth time. You know, like I could have done with four really intense experiences. I was like, oh my God, like, I'm not going to spoil stuff, but like when they're having a fight and like the kid's right there and she is like, just like so upset. I'm like, oh God, it's disturbing. I agree with that. I actually, I do think as much as I loved Brendan Fraser and I think with what he's given, he does very well. I think that the robot man's backstory is in a lot of times uncomfortable and it's not a good uncomfortable. I I think in general, there's a lot of moments like you mentioned. There's moments where it's just really uncomfortable to watch and it's really uncomfortable to try to feel for him. And I don't know if the show was very good at manipulating me. Even like towards the end where I don't dislike this character, but I was like, ah. I don't know if you deserve the sympathy it's trying to give you. That was a low point for me. Jimbo, who did you find sympathetic? Because, like, it was kind of hard for me to, I don't know, maybe I didn't, you don't need to empathize with characters, but I didn't know what the show wanted me to do. I mean, you should probably empathize. If if the show's not really fun, like, if the show's not a comedy, you should empathize with someone. So I would say Robot Man is the only character that that I care at all about. I mean, I mean, Invisible Man... I think his backstory is more appropriate as far as time spent on it, but we really he really doesn't develop as 
as like a present day character. But do you have to empathize with characters? Like, I'm not saying this show you shouldn't have to. I think to. so. I don't think I have to because like that's where my hoist and not hoist is coming from because I'm like, I'm trying to think like, I get that there's a difference between a show not being good and a show just not being for me, you know? Because like a show can not be for me and still be good. But also like, just because I don't like a show doesn't mean it's bad. This one, the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, this is kind of average and... I don't know. Like I, I do like Matt Bomber's backstory the most. I think it's like the coolest one, the most developed. But then he doesn't do anything in the present day, and they spend all that time on Robot Man. I would like to clarify this statement by saying that I do not think that this is on the same level as Breaking Bad. But <laughs> I don't empathize with most of the characters in Breaking Bad, so I don't think it is required for a show, even if it's not a comedy to empathize with them because i do understand that statement where it's like when you watch it's always sunny in philadelphia when we when you watch seinfeld when you watch veep you're not necessarily empathizing with those characters you don't even have to like those characters sometimes part of the joke is that they are not likable so i don't know if part of the thing here is that there are major points in this where these people are not likable Maybe I'll add just one more comment to that. So Breaking Bad is a tragedy. So maybe comedies and like like a play tragedy, like a play tragedy where you're like right. falling. So in that case, let me change it from like to like I don't care. You know, even if we don't sympathize with Walter White, we can still relate. And maybe it's like we're like not that far away from his actions, or at least like some of his initial actions. No, that's definitely understandable, but I don't think that's empathy. No. I would agree. That's relatability for sure. So then let's just switch it to to relatability. Yeah, I don't know if they've achieved the relatability here. I agree with that. Jimbo, you want to talk about too much backstory because I could comment on that. Liz already kind of touched on it. Like we get a ton of Robot Man and you touched on it as well, like four or five times. Like That's just the daughter. That's just like fucked up things with the daughter. I mean, like we get the point. Like after two or three times, we get the point. I'm even saying that we got the backstory for three of the characters. Yes. Of everyone. Or, yeah, All actually four or five of the characters. So that's too much for a pilot. You don't have to give all the backstories in the first episode. You don't even really have to give all the backstories. You don't have to give all the backstory at once. Not only was it all in the first episode, it was all at once. Like, boom, 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 boom. To the point where, like, I didn't know what the show was about until the last, like, what one minute. It almost didn't feel like, and and unless there was that narrator literally saying this is a superhero show, it wouldn't have necessarily been a superhero show. It it, it just almost would have been like a a weird science fiction, yeah, or... a weird science fiction show. You know, I bet also this episode would have been a much better comic book because everyone's like backstory would have been like a full page splash mm-hmm. with like their contemporary appearance in the center, and then like. You know, maybe even like a revolving, like a clock telling of their origin. And it looks great in a comic, and this is based on a comic, but in a show, like it's it just hard took to forever. Translate. And I almost wonder if it's one of those things where it's like with comic books sometimes. And I think that this is something that Hollywood's learned where it's like you don't always have to start with an origin story. And I wonder maybe here if the answer should have been we, we shouldn't have started with an origin story. Like, this episode should have started with kind of the destruction. Like, it almost should have started with they went into town, they dealt with the repercussions of that, and then we slowly kind of unraveled who the heck these people are. 
like that might have been a stronger pilot. I yeah, I completely agree. I even had an idea that maybe they should just like release backstories at the end of the season for anyone that really cares because you don't need to know the the backstory to get into the story. And for some of them like especially the actress, hers doesn't matter. I mean, maybe it'll matter at some point. It doesn't matter now. Also, what are the chances that that waitress and her dad, like, watch the thing. It's like, that's the biggest coincidence in the history of all coincidences ever. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of... Lazy storytelling? Yeah, well, yes. Exposition dumping and then kind of giving her, a, like, a little mini conflict or something. I don't know. The more we talk about this, the more I'm like, hoist, 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 hoist. <laughs> Join I'll, us, just, I'll just maybe end with one with one more thing. I didn't like the narrator, and we can talk about that when we when, when we open up the spoilers. Uh, so now we're going to get to the part of the show where we decide if we're going to watch or rewatch, and usually you, the listener, know, but we'll do it anyway. Uh, Jimbo, no thanks. Agreed. No. I might watch more of the show because I am interested. If only one is a DC fan, and then number two. Just because enough people have told me to watch the show that I feel like something has to go correct at some point. <laughs> Episode two and three have cool names. I'll say that. I don't remember exactly what, what they are, but it was something they're based off patrol. So like potty patrol and then like crapstick patrol. Well, or I something. know that the show like deals heavily with like alternate universes and like psych, like just kind of things that happen in your mind that aren't necessarily real. So it it gets really bizarre, which I think is kind of cool. And and tackles a lot more weird than I think Titans was brave enough to do, which I can at least commend it for that. Yeah, so maybe this is another example of a show that should have started with episode two. They didn't learn from Firefly. We had a lot of those. And so this brings us into the moment we've all been waiting for. To hoist or not to hoist, that is a question. And for any new listeners, to hoist means the show is bad, and to not hoist means the show is at least good enough. So I think we know how it's going to go based on the watch and not watch. But, uh... Join us, Liz. You can watch the show. <laughs> yeah. The pilot is bad. Yeah, you can still watch it. Like we, I told my dad ahead of time to be careful with the Justified episode, and I was like, you know, we just said, you know, you can like a show and not like the pilot. That's okay. So I'm hoisting. I'm also hoisting. I feel like I should hoist based on this conversation. It was, it was a bad conversation, Liz. I didn't defend anything, clearly. Liz, so, you just do what you think is right, okay? You follow your heart. I don't want to sit here and be like, DC stand, not hoist. So I'm better than that. I'm going to hoist it. <laughs> By unanimous decision, the pilot episode for Doom Patrol titled Pilot Bomb that shit. <laughs> Sorry, they were doomed. That was the correct thing. Although at this point we've had two from the DC Universe app. They're not off to this a good start. App. Yeah. So this brings us to Mo's favorite part of the show. This is the put it anywhere but there, guys. Quest for the best and worst pilots. We have a running list and we are going to rank Doom Patrol's pilot against all the pilots we have watched so far and so i my prediction um towards the bottom seems to be pretty good this is better than titans 
I think you can literally put it like right above Titan. So is it better than Ally McBeal, Drew? Yeah. Ally McBeal only had one cool thing happen. And I kind of can't remember what it is. Ally McBeal was a very forgettable show. I know. But that one <laughs> character that we liked. Um, this is above or below Firefly for me, depending how you guys feel. I kind of liked Firefly better. Okay, I, I can put it pilot. below. I really don't care. Where are you at, Liz? After watching Firefly's pilot, I didn't want to watch any more Firefly, and someone made me continue watching Firefly. Yeah, that sounds about I right. I actually legitimately said I wanted to watch more of this, so I think this means it's above okay, Firefly. All right, so done. All right, so next up we have the Petardar, and these are recommendations based on today's viewing conversation. And Jimbo, you want to lead us off? Nope. Okay. Um, I am going to recommend two things. First of all, that Glee episode with Matt Bomber, he plays Blaine's brother, and they finish the show with that song by that guy that's not famous anymore. It's like someone that I used to know. Oh, they nail it. It's great. I also want to plug Powerless, which was that NBC show. It was like The Office set in the DC universe. I thought it was super mega cute. It got canceled. There's like 12 episodes. I love that show too with Alan Tunick. I like Bruce Wayne's cousin. <laughs> I know. And Alan Tunick is the dude who is the villain in this show. And he's also... Uh, the boss in that show. It's a good show. It's a fun little show. They could have given it a second season. Shame. I said Doom Patrol Volume 1, Brick by Brick by Gerard Way. Gerard Way also wrote Umbrella Academy. Uh, he's also the former lead singer of My Chemical Romance, so he has a very interesting career trajectory. Umbrella Academy might be a better version of it. I thought about Umbrella Academy so much when I was watching this. I did too, and I think Umbrella Academy does what this wanted to do much better. With everything from the music to the weirdness to the tone to to all of it. Um and then also just uh Deadly Class, which is also a show and a graphic novel. I think both of those kind of have a feel of this. Umbrella Academy is twenty four on our list. Deadly Class is fifty three, which are also better showings than Detroit. <laughs> And I'm going to just shout out Deadpool. The I think if you took Ryan Reynolds and made him more boring and annoying, you would get the narrator from this pilot episode. So if you want to see a good narrator, go check out Deadpool. Or apparently Detective Pikachu. All right, Hoisters, we're going to move into part two. This is going to be a full episode. We are going to let the spoilers flow like wine now. So if you want to watch the pilot, pause and come back and join us after you watched it. And our first section is going to be our Crabman Award. And Liz is going to briefly explain it and give us her Crab Woman. Uh, so the Crabman is a character that is in the pilot who has a small role but has a large contribution. Uh, my Crabman is actually someone that we kind of briefly mentioned. Uh, so I said it is the waitress who knew who Rita was when they went into town. Uh, so this waitress is serving Rita and she more or less kind of not necessarily recognizes this as Rita but keeps saying like you sound and look just like Rita. And then sits down and talks to Rita about films that Rita is in. I guess qualm her ego, but I thought that was a, a decent crab lady. She was the only crab nominee that I was thinking of, but I don't really think her contributions are that big. 
the the like por- the box of porn was almost funny but really not quite she was a big deal because if she hadn't said the box of porn thing and like upset rita rita wouldn't have turned into a giant blob her like anxiety is maybe attached to her blobness her anxiety is absolutely attached to her blobness the problem, which is why he didn't want them in town, is because they still cannot 100% control who they are, and it's often offset by anxiety. It's like me and IBS, but that's not a superpower. <laughs> no. So if she had never talked to that waitress, they probably wouldn't have like ruined the day for all of those people in town. Those contributions are sounding a little bigger now. Yeah, I'm a little more sold. Um, so my crab man is that game mechanic. Are you going to waste our time with it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. I think he's not in the show a lot, and he's not. He, but he gives a lot, man. There was chemistry uh, before they do the reveal of them making out. I don't think they necessarily needed to have that making out session um, in this episode because I think people already like had thoughts about them. So he's not in a lot, but I mean, it's fine if they make out too. That's more screen time for him. But either way, he's a crab man, and. He doesn't affect the overall story as much as the waitress, but I kind of don't care about them in town or, like, their interaction. I care more about Matt Bomber's character. Mm. And so my crab is more related to a character that we all like better. As great as that is, that's not the purpose of this award. That would be being, like... But I want to win, Liz. <laughs> it makes me happy. <laughs> the purpose of the award isn't, like, I like this character more. Viewer pleasure is is part of the award, at least. So it sounds like Liz isn't moving. I'm more on Liz's side. I I would say either of these crab nominees would be low on our list if we had a running list of crab awards. <laughs> what if we did the put it anywhere, guys? But be careful. It's a crab list. We would have to go like rewatch. Pilot. I mean, do you remember no, we the crab? Do that. I'm kidding. I just think it's fun. Drew, you you will work on that one. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> I remember our, our failed our I'll failed be here waiting TNP awards where I was like, "Let's think of the best crab man," and I couldn't remember any. Uh, well, tiny people, small actors, big roles. Did, did I win? Yes. Oh, sorry. And the crab man award goes to the waitress, which means I win. Liz has turned this into a very prestigious competition. Oh, Jimbo, you want every crab man that you think has an episode. You you get down and dirty and throw elbows. Don't act like you don't care about the crab man award. I can get down to protect a crab man for sure, dude. Oh, you get down to win the crab man. I didn't care about winning anything this week. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Drew's just being cynical again. All right, we're going to move into our... Most valuable part of the pilot, the MVP. This can be anything on or off screen. Go ahead, Drew. Lead us. This had way better visual effects than Titans. Like, way better. That is the lowest bar you could have set. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, it's not like they were kind of better. They were much better. These were, these were like, what I would like in terms of, like, superhero TV shows. Umbrella Academy, too, I think, had appropriate visual effects way better than, like, CW shows. So, yeah, I like the villain. I like Alan Tiddick. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he... I didn't like his narration. I thought that was annoying. Uh, but every scene that he was in was really cool, and I liked how they did it. Like, that was interesting. I yeah I I can agree especially the last scene like his character was very visually appealing. 
my MVP is just Matt Balmer's face. All right. It's a good face. It's I mean, a good that's face. a good MVP. And it's hidden, dude. They only showed it. But when they show it, it matters. I just think that it's always funny to me. They, they literally hid the prettiest actor. And that matters. Is that him underneath the the wrappings and bandages? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I don't Just see like why Vin not. Just like Vin Diesel is behind because the little they would tree. Have to pay him, he, could film like, he could film like three scenes and then they could just pay some guy. Some dude who's not famous to just wrap some stuff on his face. That's what I would do. Yeah, but... pipe in Matt Bomber's voice. I don't know. Matt Bomber's a star. Or have his invisible vocal cords be different. Or maybe he's method acting and he like he was living in those. He probably was. I don't want to believe he's that much of a douchebag that he method acts. Please don't ruin that for me. Daniel Day-Lewis method acts. Yeah. He's not a douchebag. Oh. I'm with Liz, man. I don't know who Daniel Day-Lewis is, but I don't know too many actors. He's this dude who eschews like celebrity and like material, like rich culture. Like he like kind of stopped acting for a while because he was like, I don't want to get caught up in the bullshit. I'm going to go make shoes in Italy. And then he did. And then he came back and he was like, I'm going to make seven more movies. And he made those movies. And like right. whatever the last one was was shitty, but I like some of the other I ones. I mean, that's nice, but method acting is concerning. Yeah, definitely. Dude, that's stupid. There's this dude on the set of like Lincoln who like he kind of refused to like talk about like modern stuff. And the young actor was like, I wanted to talk to him about what was it? Like Gangs of New York so bad. And he wouldn't talk to me about it, which, yeah, that's weird. I love Last of the Mohicans. That's a good movie. Okay, we're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, dude, Jimbo, what's your MVP? It's just you, not us. Don't loop us okay, in. Okay, I am all over the place. Sorry. <laughs> I got to defend, you know, DDL. All right, well, we don't have to talk about mine too much, but um, I, I did like Robot Man's grief and recovery. They They didn't need to go over it five times, as Drew mentioned, more than once, but I did feel for his character, so... I will not repeat my feelings. All right, so now we can maybe talk about the story a little bit more. Let's let's go back to the narrator because he he almost sounded like the narrator in Spawn for a while. Drew, did you get that feeling? I mean, I feel like both the narrator in Spawn and the narrator in Doom Patrol are like overtly cheesy. Because <laughs> like, is someone remind me? I watched the whole thing, but I can't remember. Umbrella Academy does or doesn't have a narrator. There very briefly, he's not he's not there the whole time, but there is there is a voiceover. Too much narrator, you know, and like Umbrella Academy did it right, you know, like introduce what you got to introduce and get out of the way. I don't think there's enough there, and then a little too many winks and nudges. Yeah, they. I mean, they were they were really developing a personality of the narrator, but not a personality that I care to listen to for most of the pilot. I mean, he wasn't funny. No, I think they. It felt. It felt kind of like he was. He was trying very hard, and it. It just didn't quite land. Kind of like some episodes of Friends have like not aged well because Chandler is like really shitty, transphobic, and homophobic. But also just kind of shitty and like also that snippy and Chandler being a smartass is not a personality, you know. Although it taught a few generations of men that it is. But yeah, there's too much Chandler there. You know, like, why am I invested? The jokes aren't funny if I don't care. But I mean, yeah, we talked about that. I do think the narrator is kind of there to almost, in a way, it's one of those things where it's like you should trust that your audience is smart. Because uh, it, it it felt like the narrator was there to set up like, this isn't your typical superhero show. Like, this is very different. This is very kooky. But it's also like, 
we could have figured that out. Like, you didn't need that narration scene. You could have still started off with Alan Tunick starting with his, you know, getting his his villainy origin story at the beginning with the Nazi, with whatever, and and still having this really weird set of characters and their bizarre entrance into superherodom. You, you didn't need somebody to actually say, this is a set of losers. They are doomed. Like, you didn't need that. You didn't need to hold our hand. I want to start one. Uh, why doesn't anyone bring up the idea that the guy in the wheelchair is the villain? It kind of seems like Robot Man should have died. Why isn't Robot Man resentful of this existence that he's been brought back to? I thought of that as well. <laughs> Doing this is kind of like not letting somebody die in dignity. You can't just make these decisions for people people are humans they have agency and one of the things that gives humans agency is actually also the right to die and i don't say that as in like assisted suicide i say that as in like if somebody in their will like which is why wills exist says i don't want to live in a vegetative state we respect that as a society so it's it's a legitimate question in this show (laughs) That is an interesting thing that other shows did way better than this show. Because, like, they didn't even mention it. Like, that couldn't have been a passing comment. Like, why didn't, like, smartass Brendan Fraser, like, Robot Man say, aren't you the villain? Like, what the hell, man? And, I mean, he kind of, like, touched on it, but never enough. And not only that, he's hiding the fact that his daughter is still alive and that he can possibly be a part of her that life. That was so messed up. That made it so much worse. Like, when he's like, uh both your wife and your daughter are dead. And I was like, why'd you bring him back? And then why did you tell him that right there? I don't know. I, I mean, it's storytelling, it's fiction, but... Yeah, even even the way that he reveals his family dying, it was not a very kind way to do that. I don't know. I'd be interested in, like, researching what is the best way to give someone bad news or, like, tragic news or, like, what, like, nurses and doctors have to do. But, like, I don't think it's the way that, like the wheelchair scientist did it. I think you give it straightforward. I I think. I don't know. It seemed like he got a ton of information very quickly. Um, I mean, maybe that is the best way to do it, but still that just made me question like, why did you bring robot man back? Also, what is the purpose of, of kind of like saving these human beings who now don't really have full lives? Not that, which that's a complicated statement within itself because a lot of people will kind of look to disabled people and be like, well, why should you be alive? You don't have a full life. And that's not true. Um, that's not true at all. But it, it's, it, it, it also is complicated when it's like he decided to make this man what he is. And literally this guy cannot really leave this man's house. So what is the purpose of his existence? Like he's not living in an accessible environment. Um, I do want to touch on one thing that we just talked about. I can see, like, Matt Bomber's character and the female actress being, like, um, disabled analogs, you know? But that's the thing. Like, Robot Man doesn't work for me as much in that case because, again, it kind of seems like you were saying he was resuscitated against his will. So this actually transitions perfectly into my section I'm coining, the existentialist minute. So... How are these characters, like, what are these characters' purpose in life? Like, literally what Liz just said, like, Drew. Because I, I also don't understand, like, like they kind of get a purpose at the end, but at the same time, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because their purpose is because they 
left the house and messed things up. Yeah, they didn't like if they hadn't left the house, they would have had to save the town. So it would have they would have continued to live in a house and build train cars and horticulture and knit. But it's almost like the you know the like Adam and Eve the the forbidden fruit. Like why would God? put you next to a tree of knowledge and then like keep the knowledge from you why would this professor or master or whatever he calls himself like why would he put you right next to a town that has all the things you used to have in your life and then leave and be like oh by the way like don't go to this place that definitely has things that you're lacking in life i like the comparison you're drawing because i think that's a really cool metaphor like they're living in ignorance you know in the house and they're innocent and they're happy but they're ignorant and then yeah, they go into town and like that's their that's their apple of knowledge and now they can't go back. That's kind of a cool metaphor that's making me like the show more. But I still don't like the show that much. <laughs> I just don't think it was done well enough to 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 warrant. Not not necessarily not warrant that metaphor, but Alright, so so that so that wraps up our literary analysis. We're gonna move into part three, maybe spend some time there we might be wrapping up the show soon so part three we're going to jump outside of the pilot and talk about some themes that we maybe touched on a little bit so to the stage we have our stormy daniels dangling threads of interest would you want to store your consciousness you you have the opportunity right now in to make your living will do you want to be stored like robot man never it's like to what end i mean are you going to come back as like a weird cyborg person? Are you going to be in a computer for the rest to of your life? To play with toys in a room, dude, for like 40 years. You know, here's the thing. I kind of was like, oh, cool. They're retired. They don't have to go do things. They don't have to go work. They can enjoy the things that make them happy. I cannot wait to retire. I'm a teacher. I'm going to get a pension in 24 years from now. I'm going to make a bunch of toy trains in a room if I want to. And if I don't want to, I won't. So... So is that a yes? No, dude. Like, I want to be retired, not have my consciousness saved. Like, it just means I don't want to go to work. Well, yeah, those guys don't go to work. So I guess if you can have your consciousness stored, does that mean you don't have to go to work? That sounds pretty good, actually. What you're asking is, do you want your consciousness to be stored to put in a robot man's body? And my answer to that is no. My answer is, I can't wait until I'm 58 and I don't have to work again. Because that'll be fucking awesome. Yeah, that, I guess that's a different issue then. I don't know, Jimbo, would you? You didn't answer. We answered. Yeah, I think I would, dude. I'd try it out. As as long as I had, like, a way to be deleted or something, you know? like Oh, because once, like... At some dude, point... you can't delete a computer file. It's always there. Like, hackers can recover it. Oh, you think you think the consciousness would still be... You, know, you could reformat it or something. Reform like what like a unformat like, or turn you into a JPEG like what yeah definitely like export you out to a PDF. There's there's actually a really cool short story. I'll have to look up the the exact title. I think it's like I want to scream but I don't have a mouth. Yeah, it's it's a short story. It's very disturbing. It's by this one guy that's really famous, Isaac. Uh, Oz, I don't know. He he writes a bunch of creepy short short stories. Anyways, but yeah, these characters are downloaded into a computer and they can't do anything but eventually the computers are going to run out of energy not not according to the matrix which i'm rewatching on netflix it's fucking awesome do it with me jimbo it's great you know i was going to it's really difficult to find time to just sit and watch tv super fucking is and we watch a pilot every week 
Yeah. Love you guys. Yeah, and we do that for you, 20 listeners out there. I thought it was 31. We care about each and every one of you. Guys, we could all go bowling together, including, like, all of us, too. We could be a bowling team. That's a whole team. We'd be good at bowling by now. What? What? Speak for yourself. I'm terrible at bowling. (laughs) By next year... (laughs) Yeah, um, Jimbo, if it was forever, and if, like, you wouldn't have conscious control, you would just be a file, man. I feel like you would hate that. You would be at someone else's, I guess, will. I would try it out, man. You know, I think, you know, it's worth, it's worth a shot. It's forever, dude. It's not a tryout. It's not forever, dude. Yeah, it's not. Jimbo's gonna be sitting in a jar for all eternity. No, consciousness requires, like, connection, like, a lot of connections, and so if you disable those There are those toasters with Wi-Fi. There will be jars with Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. It would have to be like you a very cloud, complex man. Wi-Fi You're jar. In the cloud. You well, you wouldn't even cloud. need a brain. You, the, you know, the brain would be obsolete. I mean, I feel like this is the stuff that if I brought it up, you'd be shitting all over. Don't you hate this thing? Don't you hate that idea? <laughs> How cynical of you. Jimbo, I feel like this is everything you hate, being like a numberless file in a system where people will like delete you at their will. I mean, but it might, it might be better than death, dude, so. You're right. I don't know what happens after that, but I mean, you just become ones and zeros. Yeah, but it would be a complex connection of ones and zeros that allows me to keep my sense of self. Still ones and zeros. That's fine. I would join the Matrix, dude. So, I don't care about ones and zeros. The Matrix is kind of okay, because maybe the robots aren't doing the stuff that humans are doing now. They were like, the peak of civilization was 1999, and I'm like, some good stuff has happened since then, and things weren't perfect, but now things aren't worse. Things are different, bad. Some things are I mean, things are pretty bad right now. Steven Pinker has a very compelling argument against- I know that one you talk about, dude, but I, you sent me some of those links, and I believe that some of those statistics are skewed based on extreme wealth. Okay. <laughs> that's a dangled thread for another day. I mean, if you look at poverty rates, they're getting better over time. You can't deny, like, rich people's wealth doesn't deny that unless you want to connect their globalization. Okay, but wealth inequality is getting worse. I know, but does inequality really matter if, as long as you have enough yes. to get by? People in this country don't have enough to get by. Like, poor people still have a car and still wear Michael Jordans and still have flat screens, TVs, and cell phones. And poor people and middle class people are also one medical catastrophe away from being homeless. You have to look at, so I have a flat screen TV in my house. It costs $150. Still poor. I know, but I would argue you have enough. Like, I. Do you really want to argue that right now? I also have $5,000 in medical debt because I have four chronic illnesses. And I had enough until I was diagnosed with chronic illnesses, and it took three years to find a proper diagnosis. And because of that, I was wrapped up in test after test after test, had to go to the Mayo Clinic, had to go to this clinic, had to go to that. Yeah, medical insurance is a nightmare in this country. And so, like, if you're... I had insurance through most of that. And I mean, so, like, if you're healthy, like, things are... It literally does not matter. But, I mean, yeah, people are, like, one thing away. And, like, you can say, like, poor people... I also have an iPhone. I also have a laptop. I've had the same laptop since college. I have an iPhone 6. I've had it for three years. 
So like, sure, if you look at the amount of Apple products in my house, which my iPad was a gift for Christmas, you can probably tell me I'm wealthy. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying you're wealthy. I'm just saying that the inequality is insignificant to whether people have what they need. They don't have what they need, statistically speaking. I think if you look at progress over time, more people have what they need than they used than at any other time in human history. But compared to 10 years ago, we're going backwards. I would have to see the data on that. I don't think there's data to prove that. Yes, there is. I can pull up Pew Research stats. I'll be more than happy to do that for you. All right. Show me the data and I will admit I was wrong. Sure. Next episode. I will happily message okay. it to you. <laughs> that is a bunch of fucking bullshit that just came out of your mouth. All right. We'll see. <laughs> Anything else? Section four, which is the fun and nonsense part. <laughs> we, which we may have joined a little early. Uh, I don't have Pitar trivia. Do you guys? No, we definitely don't have Pitar trivia. We weren't going to do trivia on this show. That would require, like, watching it with more of a fine tooth comb. And doing research and other things, too. I was like, ah. Doing no. I wanted to, like, message you, Liz. This show was the show you picked. It was a fucking bummer. And it was long. It was recommended so much to me. Well, it's better than Titans. Like, it just is better than Titans. I didn't pick Titans. I know. But I'm just saying. I just want to clarify I'm just that. saying that, like, it's better than Titans, which a lot of people said. But the more we talk about it, the more like, ah, yeah, it's a little bar. But no, I'm it's glad we watched it. I was curious. <laughs> people had said some more things. And now I'm just like, what are you thinking? Like, All right. So if you can't tell by the plugs you're about to announce, the show is officially over. But if you love us as much as we love us, we might stick around for one more minute. We would like to thank Jake Drew for the intro and outro music. Follow us on our Twitter, Instagram. Join the Facebook group. Let's continue the conversation online. Dead to me. Next week, we might do Dead to Me. And yeah, so Hoisters, uh, sorry for doing a show that you can't watch. You can watch uh, Dead to Me. You know what? Actually, uh, get the get the DCU uh, or DC Universe free trial because when we watched Titans, I totally shit all over it because it had like seventy comics total. It now has more than has thirty thousand. So a lot of cool obscure shit on there, including Doom Patrol. But your seven day trial, you do have to give your credit card first, and they charge you on the seventh day. So if you are concerned with paying for another streaming service, be careful. Just put a calendar reminder. It's a fair point. <sighs> I paid. I paid for a month of Sundance. I know. I, I paid for uh, a month of ESPN Plus, <laughs> and I need to go cancel that because oh, no. my wife pays the bills and she'll notice it and be like, "Why are you paying for ESPN Plus?" I'm like, I "Forgot to cancel it." We gotta get some top shooters. Maybe like after Hoistler's Choice, we can like go on the old IMDb and find some highly. Uh, respected pilots. It's, it's really tough to get into our top 10 and top 20 right now. Uh, yeah, our top 20 is stacked, let alone the top 10. <laughs> I don't know if this one will break it, but I thought it was a good show. So. I had, I explained to my dad what One Punch Man was, and he was surprisingly into it. I shouldn't have assumed that since he was older, he wouldn't be down for anime. <laughs> that is a just Jimbo, not just me hitting Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and Bill Maher and... I mean, Bill Maher is actually a jerk. Yeah, but Drew only hates him because he's old. He doesn't actually hate him because he's a jerk. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Mostly the things he says. The, the things he says are so utterly like just boomer tastic, boomer get off my lawn shit. I can't help it. Every day we hoistling, Drew out. Every day we hoistling, Jimbo out. 
Every day we hoist Lynn. Have a good day, guys. Liz out. Ha <laughs> ha